But get prepared in Isaiah 14. That will be the first passage to which we'll be going. And uh, the temperature has varied greatly in the building today, but that's because the temperature has varied greatly outside. And with the crowds coming in and out, that happens. Certain times of the year are harder than others for the, uh, uh, for the system to keep up with. And so it is trying. Um, I want to speak to you on the subject this evening of personal not prideful personal not prideful and uh, a title will mean more to you in just a few moments you know an an overemphasis or overuse of personal pronouns i me my mine those sort of things a an overuse or overemphasis of those often is a showing of pride of the heart the uh, it often reveals something about it. I'll give you a few Bible examples of this. I have you in Isaiah 14. I'll join you there. Um, Isaiah 14 is one place where it shows up in these personal pronouns, show up in extreme pride. Some of you know where we're going with this. Isaiah 14, verse 12. Look at the use of personal pronouns. Verse, four, or verse 12 of chapter 14. How art thou fallen from heaven... O Lucifer, son of the morning. Watch this. How art thou cut uh, cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said... Now watch the speech that is Lucifer's speech. For thou hast said, in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will set also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Then it goes on to inform him that he'll actually be brought down to the sides of the pit. But notice that just in those verses there, in verses uh, 13 and 14, notice, I will, I will, I will, I will. And that, that... Overuse and overemphasis by the phrase "I will," that that that, that pushing of self um, does show prideful uh, heart there with it. Show you another one. Look in Luke chapter eighteen. Turn to the book of Luke in chapter eighteen. I'm, show, I'm going to show you tonight something about being personal but not prideful. People like to talk about good pride. There is no good pride. The Bible, in all over 230 references, pride is never used in a good term. And people want to say, well, I'm talking about pride in a good way. Pride's the wrong word for it. And uh, by the way, say, oh, that, that's nitpicking words. Words mean something. And a uh, big part to us getting things right in our mind is, is calling things the right thing. Not pride, there's confidence. There's being pleased with how something's turned out. And that pride is an exalting of self. It's a, it's a putting of self forth and first. And, and that's never what God wants us to do. Luke chapter 18, look in verse 9. And he, Jesus, spake this parable unto them which trusted where, church? And because they trusted themselves that they were righteous, what did they do towards others? Counted them as nothing, looked down on them. 
So he's speaking to people who trust in themselves that they are righteous and they despise others. So here's what he teaches. Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee, you know that's a very religious man, and the other a publican, tax collector, a man who would not be held in good repute. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus, where? With himself. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. Boy, you talk about something here. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I wonder if he pointed at the guy when he said it. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. The publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, that publican, went down to his house justified rather than the other, the Pharisee. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Two examples there of, a, of, of Lucifer himself, and then also of this uh, unsafe Pharisee who's trusting in his own righteousness, and they overused, overemphasized the personal pronouns. It can even happen to a believer and follower in Christ. Did you know that? Look in John chapter 14. In John chapter 14. The saying of getting into this type of mindset can even happen to one who's actually a follower of Jesus Christ. John chapter 14. That didn't sound right to me at all, and it isn't. What up? That's horrible when I flip it. Okay, I know where it is. Look in. Quarter to you of not. Hold by. I'll give you my hold music there. Don't go away. Don't go away. It's in here. It's in the Bible. So preachers that embarrass you, absolutely not. I've got practice at this. Hold still. Slap harder if you're trying to get cool. I'll go find it now. I'll tell you what I'm after after I find it. What? But you said Google. Google. Google you in a minute. You go home and sleep with your snoring poodle. Don't mess with me. Oh mercy! That's not what I was looking for. I know. I know why I messed up. I just can't recover from it yet. I'll find it when I'm not looking for it. So let me quit and go back. I will show you this. What I'm looking for is where uh, Peter told Jesus that uh, though all men shall deny thee, I will not deny thee. You know, whoever finds it first, uh, Brother Robin will give him a dollar. <laughs> and uh, he tried to buy his way out. It's his penance. The uh, 
I'm, danger, I'm dangerous about this. And he says, all of you shall, de- you shall deny me this night. And he said, I will never deny thee. Yet all men shall deny you. And I'm going to find it. Now I just won't find it. It's a principal thing now. I don't give up easy when it gets to that point. All right? Who found it? Anybody found it? No? No? Why not? Let's see if you found it. If not, you owe Robin a dollar. <laughs> nah, that's not what I'm looking for. Where he said, all of you shall deny me this night. That's the more truncated version of it. I'm going to re-sing Miss Francis' song while we're doing this. Lord, I'm clay in the potter's hand and I've been squished on the wheel. I think it's funny. I think it's funny, don't you? Mark 14? Is it? I don't know. If you found it, get it. I may let you come up and preach. Hang on. Don't do it. Don't do it. Huh? Is it what? Awesome. Who's saying that? Hi, Evie. Sister Evie has a word of knowledge for us. Luke 23, what? Give me a reference. Do what? What? What I'm looking is he's, he says in it, he says more vehemently, though the more I... It's Mark 31. Are you sure? Okay. I'm looking for the word vehement in it. You sure? Yes. She got it? Well, come on up, Sister Brittany. Amen. <laughs> Let's get a witness tonight. I think that you've done that. You? They fell right on you, Sister. And now they get this going, Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Revival's breaking out at Lighthouse Bad. If you're listening on the podcast, Help send rescue unit. I need help. Um, I taxed it one. I wanted to start in verse 29. Here you go. All right, here we go with it. Now I'm going to continue preaching to you about the resurrection. Um, <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. Sister Brittany gets the dollar. Brother Robin, make sure you pay up at the end of the service here. Right? Verse 29 it says, But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, we're in 1429, if you lost us after all that confusion, I don't blame you. But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. And Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. But he spake the more vehemently, which means he put the emphasis behind it. He really, really got going about it. If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. And by the way, likewise said also they all. And uh, so here you have someone who's actually a follower of Christ that did the same thing. If you've forgotten in the midst of this melee of information, dealing with this issue of being personal, not prideful, um, the overuse of the, the personal pronouns is often an indicator of a pride situation in the heart. I use the word often on purpose because I'm going to show you something here. And I actually know where the next passage is. All right? It's, it's one. It's one. I actually know. Um, 
but there's one portion of the Bible that contains an extremely high concentration of personal pronouns. And uh, yet, none of them are prideful. And it isn't God talking. I know it's His words, but He's not giving an address. You know, uh, back in Isaiah, when, when the Lord said, I am the Lord, there's none like me who on earth. That's not prideful. That's God talking. That'd be prideful if you were talking like that or I was talking like that, but not with Him. Now, now watch this. There's a portion of the Bible contains a very high concentration of personal pronouns. Instead of indicating pride, they reveal something very, very personal about this. This portion of the Bible is only six verses long. It contains 119 words. Out of that small portion of the Bible, 17 of those words are personal pronouns. Every single one of the six verses contains personal pronouns with a person speaking them, not God speaking them. And what do you mean by that, preacher? Well, 14.3%, you want to be exact, of the entire content of that passage are personal pronouns. 14.3% are personal pronouns and none of it's prideful. So that's interesting. Where's that passage? It's in the book of Maccabees. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, you're familiar with it too. It's called Psalm 23. Look at the 23rd Psalm. I should be able to find that one. It's between 22 and 24. Psalm 23 is replete with personal pronouns, but it's not prideful. It's personal. And you know, of course, the subject matter of this great psalm and dealing with the Lord being our shepherd, and it zeroes in on how personal the relationship has to be with God. I'm excited for people getting saved. We've had a lot of visitors, we've got people being saved, folks being baptized. Some even here tonight continuing on and growing, thank God. My wife and I got to be out with Andrew and Paige a little this afternoon and Excited seeing what God's doing in their life. He was excited about getting a Bible. I'd shown him that the one he had had portions missing out of it and stuff. He got him a good King James Bible. He goes, hey, it actually says what yours says now. I said, yeah, it's a good thing. Uh, we're excited about it. Our hearts are concerned for some that have gone missing a little and uh, trying to track them down, see what's going on with them. And uh, young in Christ and some of them coming out of very hard situations where it's easy to be swallowed up again. And all kinds of things going on working with people right now. And we know as we're dealing with people, we can love on folks, we can, we can treat them well when they come to church, we can do the one-on-one follow-up as some of us are doing with different ones that we've, we've been able to talk to and witness to and lead to Christ. We can do that follow-up, we can continue on with them, but it's all eventually going to come down to this. Those people have to understand that God wants to be very personal with them and that they can have a personal relationship with Christ. It makes, it makes a huge Huge difference. Let's look at Psalm 23. And what I'm going to do, I want to go through and, and uh, reading this psalm, I want you to consider the personal pronouns in each verse. And uh, instead of pride, you're going to find such things as this. You're going to find praise. You're going to find personal relationship. You're going to find confidence. You're going to find trust, protection, gratitude, security, such things as this. Let's look at how personal this psalm is. Let's begin it. Many of you could quote it, but let's look at it. We're not going to read it aloud together. I'm just going to point these out very simply. And the message tonight is entirely this, to get your minds 
to think how personal this psalm is, like mine did early on the morning when I was reading through this and it just kind of jumped out at me and I wanted to, I wanted to give it to you. The Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd. Um, they, uh, he belongs to us. Very personally. There's a song that I heard saying, I think it was... Uh, uh, that's what name. They, they were missionaries in Germany. And uh, there's a family that used to sing. Not the Hoopers. Um, the, uh, it'll come back to me if I don't chase it down. They, anyway, they, uh, this, this family, they, uh, um, it almost came back and then it went by. It just went by and slapped me. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> I like it. Um, they, uh, anyway, they, I heard them first, they were the first people I heard sing a song entitled, He Loves Me Like I Was His Only Child. Have any of you ever heard that, that song saying, um, the he loves me as a stroll. Yeah, strolls. S t r u h l. The stroll family. Um, the that song. The theme of that song simply this: that we don't have to wait in line for God. Uh, that he's never too busy. That his attention is not so spread that he cannot give particular attention to us. And uh, that's a tremendous thing. The Lord's my shepherd. So now he's my shepherd. He's mine too. Equally so. And you know what? The Bible says that God had fullness for all that come. We come, He has fullness. Of His fullness have we all received, is what the verse says. Of His fullness have we all received in grace for grace. What does that mean? When I came, it was full. When you came, it was full. It doesn't matter. It never gets empty. It's, it's the grace of God. And uh, He's my shepherd. Because of that, you have the next personal pronoun. Look at it. The Lord is my shepherd. Who shall not want? I shall not want. That means you have no true lack. We equate want just with a desire of having something. That is one proper use of the word want. And it's probably the most common use of it. But the, another proper use of the word want and proper, uh, proper definition is a lack of something. Uh, for want of the nail... The shoe was lost. For the want of the shoe, the horse was lost. For the want of the horse, the messenger was lost. And for want of the message, the war was lost. There, what is that? For a lack of something. And this thing, this thing of having to want, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I will not lack anything that I must have. I may lack some things that I may desire. Or even some things that would not be bad things, but I could possibly have that would be fine but not what I have to have. And so the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Then look at the next uh, personal pronoun coming in. He maketh who to lie down? Me. He knows when you need to. He knows what we can, we can bear. He knows when we need to lie down. He, needs to know, he knows when we need those green pastures. Then he leadeth who? He leadeth me. Besides still waters, there's a personal leading. I'm glad there's a collective leading as revealed in the Word of God. That's also personal. It's collective because it's the same for all of us. It's personal because it applies. But I'm glad He also knows how to lead me. Anybody who has more than one child knows that no two children respond the same to uh, rewards, responsibilities, uh, types of affection shown, uh, correction, Discipline, all these things. Why? It's as individual as a child is. And uh, 
Sometimes people say, boy, I wish I had an owner's manual would come with the kids. Well, if you did, you'd need one for every model and it'd be too long to read, all right? <laughs> so I think we're every generation we've proven that. But what happens? He leadeth me. My God knows what I need when. I love that. And that, there's, there's confidence in that. He leads me beside the still waters. Then look in verse 3. He restoreth my soul. He knows what it needs. He knows to what degree it needs uh, redone. My wife, I, I love something she just did. We we're uh, doing some things at the house and she's repainted our upstairs. And uh, I'm glad for my wife. I'm glad I didn't have these little women sitting around twiddled thumbs and says she can't do anything. She gets stuff done. In fact, you sit still long enough, you get dusted. <laughs> or something. Try to make a decoration out of you. But I have this desk in my office at the, at the house, and uh, it, this desk uh, she actually got for me when we were college students. And we completely refinished that together. I think that may have been the first, was that the first piece of furniture we refinished? Or it was early on. We were just newly married. And then over the years, the finish had lost some of its luster. It's a, it's a quarter sawn oak. Some of you know it's tiger stripe oak. Very beautiful. It has very, very nice markings on the top of it. And it's an old desk. weighs approximately 865 pounds, or at least that's what it feels like when you're moving it. And, uh, and so it's beautiful. And since it is that oak, I obviously I don't want to, I want to have that, that golden oak and, and, and that I want that, that color there. Well, the top, over the years and usage, have become more and more dull. I hadn't really noticed how much. And she went up there and, and she told me, she said, I refinished the, the top of that again for you. And my goodness, you go up there now and it's just beautiful. And, uh, you know, the marks, if you know what the quarter saw and oak looks like, those things almost glow on that thing. But you didn't have to strip the whole thing down and start over again. It, ju- it just needed touching up. I've told you about the piece of furniture, and I won't go into detail, but the piece of furniture that we have is a beautiful piece of furniture at the house that we found at the top of a hog shed, and it was completely black, all the, all, all the uh, old, uh, old uh, whatever they put on it. The, I'm starting to say wax, that's not right. But uh, pardon, the varnish, thank you. I knew it started with the V. Um, the wax, V, something T-U-V. Anyway, um, they... But the varnish had turned black, and um, we had to make the varnish vanish, and then, then we could refinish it, and that was a lot of work in that thing. He restores my soul. My soul's not in the same condition that your soul's in. I know I was completely lost like you were, and that's why the Bible speaks of a common faith and a common salvation. We all got saved the same way through the blood of Christ. But my soul, on a regular daily need, is needing restored, and yours does too. The Lord knows what you need on a day-by-day basis. It's personal. It's not prideful. He restoreth my soul. There's nothing prideful about that because honor is going to God. It's going to God because He cares enough individually about His children to know our need, and it goes to God because He can do something about that need. So I love it. So let's look for another personal pronoun. Look at verse 3. We see He restoreth my soul. Then, what's the, the next pronoun? He Leadeth me. That's twice he's said that. Sounds like God's very personal in our leading, isn't he? He leadeth me. Where does he lead us? Paths of righteousness. For what purpose? His namesake. Now notice the two leadings. One leading is by still waters. That means when we need refreshed, when we need the, we need the uh, uh, strengthening and that sort of thing. But then he leads us as we go forward. 
in paths of righteousness. Clear paths, the Bible calls. Open paths. Do you know that the way of the transgressor is hard? Do you know that sinful choices are uh, described as being a thorny path? They are. Make me believe you're listening, you're paying attention to the preaching. They, uh, they're described as a thorny path. And they're described as somewhere where you get entangled. <laughs> Does anybody know what saw briars are? What saw briars are? Uncultured barbarians. What are we going to do with them? Y'all don't know what saw briars are. You never saw briars. Well, <laughs> all right then. They're the ones. Pardon? Are they rip sheds? Same thing we call rip Probably. Probably so. They're, 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 they grow on a vine. They don't have super big thorns on them. Yeah. Not like that. Anybody know them as, wait a minute? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, do you know them as that? Anybody knows, ah, I'm tangled up in this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Saul briars. Y'all don't know them as saw briars. Well, I declare, chilling. you got to learn something. <laughs> I'm glad I'm here to be culturally relevant with you. But saw briars, have you ever seen them? The, the like green briars, they're growing. And you know those? And they got the little things. And they get into you. What happens with them? You go along and they catch you. If you try to pull through them, they rip. Yeah, and rip shift. Rip shins. Rip shins. Ah, ah, rip shins. Oh yeah, got it. Are you rip shins on you? Um, that's a good. <laughs> My laces are short to rip knees for me. But they, they catch you, and if you keep pulling. They embed themselves in you and they will go away with you. People know what we're talking about here now. They say, no, we ain't got no briars where I grow. You, know, you need to get somewhere where there's not concrete, okay? And you have to back up to get out of them. And many times hiking, you'll see a big bunch of them. And what do you do? Try to find some other way around. <laughs> we can. Right, because you don't get into that. You're going to be torn up, that sort of thing. By the way, the term for people from Kentucky, I had never even heard the term Kentuckian until I was a teenager because all our people called themselves were briar hoppers, which is a briar hopper, if you're saying it and enunciating it. And they didn't even call them briar hoppers. They called them briars. 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 And why they called them briar hoppers, briar hoppers, it's because when you're coming down one of those steep hills in eastern Kentucky and suddenly you're accosted by a dense growth of eruptions. <laughs> you learn how to hop <laughs> and hope your feet don't catch or you become a rolling object going down the hill. Well, the Bible describes that the... Uh, the way of the transgressor, the way of the one who ignores the Word of God, they are putting briars, they are putting these, these thorns in their own path, causing yourself pain and hard traveling. The Bible describes it this way, we oppose ourselves. We're causing our own problem with it. And God doesn't want that. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for His namesake. Look in verse 4. Have you noticed every single verse has more than one personal pronoun in it? And none of them are prideful. Yea, though, personal pronoun, I walk where? The valley of the shadow of death. I've heard a lot of different things, which is exactly where you are if your phone doesn't get turned off. Um, <laughs> yea, though, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. 
And why we go there? You know, our own death, the death of another, we've been there. A lot, we've all, everybody's got much age on them, has seen that dark valley in one form or another. Some of you have seen it closely. Um, it says, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. I'm walking through this valley, and that's very personal. Nobody can go with you through that valley, but the Lord does. Yes. It's interesting. One of the names for Jesus in the Bible is the lily of the valleys. I love the fact it's plural because there's multiple valleys, and he's there. One characteristic of that plant, I did a whole study on the lily of the valleys. It was very interesting. One characteristic is they tend to grow in a shaded area and in the areas where the valleys are and they grow there and add beauty and there's a fragrance they add. And I thought, how, how perfect a picture that is of Lord Jesus Christ. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. You are right with me. There's nothing prideful about that, but it's very personal. I don't know, and I don't have the scholastic capacity to study this out, nor would I take enough time to do all this, but I wonder how far you would have to go in the Bible to find a passage that has a higher concentration of personal pronouns. More of them in that short of a period of time. 17 of them in these six verses. And he says there, he said, you are with me. Why? Thou art with me. Then, that's not all with it. He said, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, both of those used, both for the protection and the calming and the directing of the sheep. For all those things. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort, look a personal pronoun, me. I'd say that the psalmist took this relationship very, very personal. Part of David's heart that was like the heart of God, or after the heart of God, I should say, following after in a, in a form, part of it, the Bible positively declares, was God saw that David, he took him from following the ewes, great with lamb, in other words, very vulnerable sheep at a very, very needy time in their life, and God looked for someone with a shepherd's heart to make a king, because God wanted his people ruled over in a godlike manner. Someone who would care for the sheep. Someone who would give his own life for them. Someone who, would, someone who would stand for them. Someone who would not be afraid to correct when he needed to, but would not be abusive. Someone who would not overlead and destroy. And, and that was David's heart. I wonder how much of that he learned by that shepherd time. And I wonder how often he looked at what he did as a shepherd and what, what happened and how the sheep would come to him and how they would come up to him and knew his voice and how much taught him about his God. It's what God's done for me. I wonder how many times those scenes of, from his own life as a shepherd came back when he was running from Saul out in the wilderness. And when the initially 400 and then more added to him, initially 400 men, discontent, distress, and in debt. <laughs> what a group. Came out to David. Thereby making it a lot harder to hide from Saul. Now he's got 400 people to take care of. And then more got added to later. And some of those became his mighty men. But why did they do it? Because they were going out to someone who was a shepherd towards them. It's personal. It isn't prideful. 
It's not prideful to say I belong to the Lord. It's not prideful to say that God's my heavenly Father. That's an act of praise, not pride. It's not prideful to say that God loves me very deeply as His own child. And occasionally I meet believers who are almost afraid to embrace and believe the grace of God. They somehow think that that mercy is for everybody except them. That somehow they're just an add-on, a tag-along that God put up with while He really cares about people over here. But I'm going to tell you, everything in this Psalm 23 is very personal. But it's not prideful. But I said, man, if I thought about God loving me that way, I'd, I'd get puffed up over it. No, you won't. It'll lead you to gratitude. Right. Absolutely, it'll lead you to gratitude. What a great Savior. Let's, let's look at this here then. Verse 5, Thou preparest a table before who? Me. And in the presence of whose enemies? Hmm. These are my enemies, but God prepared me a table in the presence of mine enemies. When you can sit down and enjoy a meal with enemies all the way around you, you're feeling pretty secure. You're feeling pretty secure. It's amazing. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. This is, this is gratitude. This is being blessed and understanding it. Then the conclusion, because of basing on God's goodness and what He's done here, surely goodness and mercy shall follow, look at it again, me. All the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. How long? Where does the confidence come from? It comes from this being personal, not prideful. To whatever degree pride enters into our religious thinking, to that degree we lose real confidence. That's why the more prideful we are, the more despising we will be of others, and the more improperly aggressive we'll be towards others. That's convicting. That statement is convicting in the, of the pulpit as it is out here. But to what degree our religious thinking is, and I'm using religion in the good sense as a pure religion undefiled, but to what degree our religious thinking is infused with pride, to that degree we'll be missing true confidence in Christ. Because the true confidence comes from not prideful, but personal thinking. The Lord is my shepherd. I belong to Him. You get this inside of you, you'll be able to deal with people on a very even level. It will grow you past either your pride and arrogance or your, your, uh, uh, your lack of, a lack of uh, confidence and insecurity that cause you to either think you're not as good as somebody else or to look down in a demeaning way at someone else. It will allow you and allow me to judge actions and decisions for what they are without taking a moral superior mindset into it. In other words, I look at somebody making wrong decisions and doing evil things and I can look at it and honestly say, that's wrong, that's evil, that's bad. Without, well, I'm not like that. But honestly say, I'm not making those decisions. I can say... If I'm dealing with someone who's a drunkard, I'm not a drunkard. I'm not. 
That's not a moral superior position. It's reality. I'm not following a behavior pattern. Thank God for it. At no point did I kind of say, well, why can't you be like me? No. It says, you know what? I'd like you to be free of what's got a hold of you. I know somebody who can help you with that. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Personal? That's what God wants with you. But not prideful. And if I understand anything from the Bible, it's this. We have to be careful or we get prideful of the good things that God's done for and in us. Amen. That's all I got for you tonight. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and uh, the effectual working of it in your people. Help us, Lord, to honor you by desiring that close personal relationship on a day-by-day basis, just in a very simple, straightforward way. And Lord, I pray you'll help us to recognize the stench of pride when it comes out of our own heart and turn that over to you, please. Amen. Let's stand together. Why don't you come? Don't wait for that first note of invitation. And bring yourself to the altar and say, Lord, I accept the personal love you have and uh, want to walk in that. I want to walk in that.